Good Thursday, everybody. Welcome back in to Mining Stock Daily. We've got one last market uh, commentary today. Welcoming back an old friend of the podcast. Somebody, It's been a little while since we've had Matt Geiger on from MJG Capital. I reached out to Matt a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, buddy. Uh, we got to get you back on because there's a lot going on here, a lot of volatility. He's like, let me get let me get the fun newsletter out and then and then we'll chat. Well, that uh, dropped yesterday or, or late last night actually. So I jumped on uh, jumped on the horn here and got Matt on. Matt, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Hey, it's great great to be back, Trevor. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you getting some sleep? I know you're burning that midnight oil when the when the newsletter hit. So I I, I hope you're peachy. I hope you got some rest. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's a little bit of an undertaking, but always satisfying getting getting that out and um, you know hearing from partners and, and those following the fund with uh, thoughts on our investments and, uh, and and various market thoughts as well. Yeah. Uh, before we kind of jump into a little bit of market reaction for today, I do want to take a step back and let's talk about the la- the last few months of volatility we've seen not only in precious metals, well, the metals complex in general, not just precious. Base metals have also been taking it on the chin uh, in case you haven't seen a copper chart over the last couple of weeks. That's been pretty ugly. Uh, the, the junior miners, the explorers have also uh, been incredibly volatile. You know, we, you know, kind of walk us through where this volatility is coming from, what you're seeing on the kind of the macro level from your end, and also kind of walk us through how you have uh, been participating in this market or or lack of participating in this market. What, you know, kind of wade us through the waters here. Sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's been a uh, very volatile uh, past six months, um, particularly the past just 10, 10 weeks here. Um, I mean, the, the fund itself was was actually up on the year uh, as recently as the first week of May. Um, and so the the 20 percent decline that, that we posted um, in, in the first half of 2022 all occurred in the final eight weeks of, of the quarter. So it's pretty extreme drawdown. I, I would even say to the level where it rivals the magnitude of the of the um, and, and severity of the drawdown that we saw in March 2020. Uh, just in terms of how quickly how quickly it's it's transpired, um, so th- that's that's rough. But I mean, it's it's a reminder of uh, the volatility that's inherent in the space that we invest in. Um, this will this will always be the case, and I, I've tried to warn in you know previous in, uh, in, in investor letters in the past few that even though the long term setup looks excellent for natural resource equities, you know mi- mining equities generally. Um, relative valuations to other major asset classes are at or near historic lows. So I feel very strongly about where we're positioned here for the for the medium and long term. That said, when the market goes risk off, um, we get smacked in the chin. That happens every time and inevitably, no matter what the longer term setup is. And, and so that's what we're seeing here. I mean, at the end of the day, mining stocks, uh, particularly junior mining stocks, are speculative. And they perform when greed is flowing. They're, they're risk on. So they, they check both of those boxes. So even at no fault of their own, um, when panic sets in, and that's undoubtedly what's happened over the past six months. I mean, this has been the, the, the worst start two years since 1970, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it creeps into, into our neck of the woods. So, so, so that's what we're experiencing right now. Walk me through... The so maybe the last two months have obviously been very brutal. You walk, you 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 mentioned that. I remember a couple months ago on Twitter, 
speculators that we follow, you know, there's there's few of us. Uh, so it's easy to catch these things. We're saying, oh, you know, back then, junior mining stocks, the valuations are so incredibly cheap, uh, incredibly low, time to buy, time to buy. Well, if you loved them then, you're absolutely going to love them now because they're about 30 to 60% lower than they were two months ago. But give us this sense of where we're at now. Is this, are you seeing any sort of sign where it's a time to deploy capital or are there still too many unknowns to be, to be back risk on in junior mining given the speculative nature? Mm-hmm. Well, for, for a little bit of context, um, and those following the, the partnership um, will be aware of this, we've been boosting our, our cash position in anticipation of such a, an event here um, over the past uh, 18 to 24 months. Um, obviously, in hindsight, when the, when the actual event occurs, you wish you had more cash, but it's, it's, it's better than being fully deployed. So we went from uh, roughly 1% cash weighting within the portfolio in early 2020 um, to when things uh, be, be began to run. Um, we're at we're at 15% uh, currently, so a little a little bit of a cushion there, and the focus again was in- incrementally increasing that that overall percentage. Um, I made the decision really in mid June, um, not quantitative quantitatively driven, but just by, um, by the sentiment and the panic that that was that was palpable to reverse that that policy. So it's, it's a little change, change of course, at least uh, tactically from a cash positioning perspective. So now what we're doing is we're, we're incrementally uh, deploying. So definitely not going to blow our load here, so, so to speak. Um, the idea is to, to keep um, you know, nibbling away um, really th- for the next 18, 18 months here um, with the expectation that the market's going to grind lower over that period. So not looking to uh, pick, pick the bottom, ultimately. Um, but when there is panic out there and you have a long enough time horizon, that is a good time to deploy capital. And you mentioned, are there, is there too much uncertainty out there? There is a lot of uncertainty out there. Uncertainty also breeds opportunity. So, so you, you, have to keep that, you have to keep that in mind. Now, the, the one caveat, and I, I write about this in the, the market musing section of the, of the letter, is that if this drawdown is as bad as it, as it, as it could be, um, and, and I should say, especially if you're, if you're invested in junior resources um, and it, in a volatile and cyclical asset class such as this, I think it's important to uh, expect the worst. <laughs> it's better to be surprised uh, to the positive side than, than the other way around. So I really caution people about trying to go all in here and, and pick the bottom. I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be a drawn out move. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. unlikely that we see another you know, sharp V-shaped recovery that we saw in March 2020. And that's really been the status quo, you know, in the post-Great Financial Crisis era for folks just to buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. Um, the difference here is inflation. This is, this is the first time where that's actually been a problem um, amongst uh, macro, um, market turbulence. And I think the response of both the Fed monetarily and Congress will be much more tepid uh, particularly relative to what we saw just a couple of years ago during during the COVID financial crisis. So my base case is this this could take some time, and if it does, what you'll often see is pretty strong bear market rallies within within the first year. That was one of the the topics discussed discussed in the letter, and if that does transpire um, in the broader markets, and I see it reflected in the MJG portfolio where we're up fifteen or twenty percent, you know, in, in relatively short order. Uh, without any you know significant 
company-driven developments that, that would dictate that. Um, it might be good to, to bump up our cash position north of, of 20% and then switch back to, to incremental deployment. So I'm not making any extreme or you know draconian uh, decisions here. It's really tweaking on, on the margins. But that's, that's really how I'm thinking about things um, with an eye towards uh, uh, surviving should this go for 18 or even 24 months. Well, big major another major difference between that V-shaped recovery back from 2020 and and what we're seeing now. If you're talking about an extended kind of bear market here, is that we are so in a tightening cycle. And I'm just kind of curious what you're seeing here as far as deployment into these uh, junior equities, maybe via private placements. Is that money getting harder and harder because of this tightening? Because money is getting more expensive. Oh, it is, and it, and, and it will, uh, assuming that this, this isn't March 2020-like. I mean, we're already starting to see high-quality companies um, you know, start to raise financings with a, with a full warrant. A uh, recent example would be uh, Talisker. Uh, Talisker's deal just, just announced yesterday. So uh, assuming that this is more drawn out, I think the 18 months ahead here is going to be excellent hunting season um, for, for investors that do like participating in private uh, placements and haven't had the opportunity in a number of years now to ask and, and dictate full warrants um, from, from decent, high-quality companies. So I think that's going to come. Um, I think those that are buying on the open market, and this, this is always the case, uh, you always have to look at the company's uh, runway and, and when they expect to, to raise, raise capital next. Um, if, even in the, in the best of times, it's not worth investing in a junior um, unless there's a major catalyst or two that occurs in between, but it's really not worth investing in a junior if you think they have to raise capital in the next 12 months. Um, it's better to sit on your hands, not buy in the open market, and then participate in the placement if, if you are able. If you're not able to participate in the placement, then maybe maybe it's it's not a name that you should you should be looking at, at to begin with. But I think in this market situation, it's particularly important to make sure. You know, be, be extra aggressive. The company can go 18 months easy without raising money. So if shit really hits the fan here uh, for the rest of this year and into 2023, you have a sense that the company is going to be able to buy their time, won't be forced to capitulate um, n- next year. So that, that's something that I'm keeping particular um, focus on. Um, but yeah, at, in terms of MJG portfolio, we have not initiated any new positions since the beginning of this year. We actually had a really busy start to the year. Um, with initiating three positions, um, two of those via private placements. We haven't added, any, added anything new in the, in the five months since. Um, but as I mentioned, in the past four weeks, we've started um, incrementally deploying the cash position we've built mm-hmm. and have added to probably five uh, different uh, existing positions at this point. Let's move forward to today, uh, it, it kind of with the macro news be you know kind of in the backdrop of what i'm about to ask um, because we got news out of the european central bank that they are raising 50 basis points that's the the estimate was was 25 but we now have non-negative real interest or non-negative interest rates in europe uh, which has taken quite some time yeah, it, it's quite interesting. I, it, but they they interested some sort of basically um, uh, safety net protocol, and I'm going to get into that, I think, later uh, in the podcast. I don't really want to touch that because I haven't done my homework. But I do want to ask you kind of about the, the market reaction was quite surprising uh, because the major markets in the U.S. 
uh, continue to rise higher. The dollar was pretty much flat uh, to low, but gold caught a bit. I mean, before the ECB news, gold dropped down to about 1680, 1675. Our good friend Jordan Royburn earlier this week on the podcast said if it does that, that's where he's going to be buying mm. because he thought it would be short-lived. Well, sure enough, now we're back up to about 1712. So pretty big day. The dip buyers came in below 1700 today in force, uh, good volume, and now it's up. we got to see some follow-through, though. So, you know, given this macro backdrop of what we're seeing, because historically when the ECB back in 2011 had increased rates, it was in short order, in fact, three months when there was a debt crisis in 2011, and they quickly reversed. Watching this action, do you, I mean, gold has this funny way of kind of sniffing out these these events before they even happen. Could we see potentially a precious metals rally here, knowing that the ECB and the Federal Reserve and other central banks around the world will be pivoting here later this fall? Yes, I, th- I think it. I think it's quite quite possible. And uh, I mean, the Fed is stuck between a rock and a hard place here. They're trying to maintain their credibility back home in the United States um, by tamping down on inflation and showing that uh, you know accommodative low interest rates are, 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 are not the status quo going going forward. The issue, of course, is by is by doing this, uh, they're, they're strangling the global economy um, by moving faster than other central banks. Uh, the dollar has risen uh, significantly here in, in recent months. And so, you know, they're either going to have to slow down or uh, other central banks globally are going to have to catch up. Um, and I, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of, of both going on there. Um, but, but like you said, uh, the European economy, particularly with the conflict uh, in Ukraine and the, um, the energy crisis, um, you know, they're, they're, they're fragile. So I, I think gold potentially is sniffing something out here. That said, the metal's tricky, and I, you know, I get, can get myself into trouble here, um, you know, looking at the, uh, the metal price tea leaves. But I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know, t- to my understanding, 1675 is, is, a pretty, is, a, is an extremely important long-term uh, technical level. Um, I don't pay all too much attention to, to technicals, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on things. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it had fakes uh, b- below that at this point, uh, just just to shake just to shake folks out. So mm-hmm. I think um, you know, if, if you're playing the charts, it's it's very easy to get shaken out of, of a metal a metal like gold, um, you know, with, with head fakes in 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 both directions. Um, so I think I think you need to decide. If you have conviction here, and if, if you do, then you know, uh, not not worry too much about that about that level because we could see we could see a dip below that um, and then snap back pretty quickly. Uh, I remember two years ago. I don't know if it was just on this podcast or you and I having a beer together. You were saying you were you were not look you you did not see much more upside in the gold price, and you were actually turning more focus to copper and base metal plays. Uh, you know, just kind of curious with, with this, with what we were just talking about, are you a little bit more bullish gold, bearish base metals, or were you bearish base metals, you know, two months ago, as good as you were when you turned bearish gold two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I definitely have a bias towards the energy metals, the metals that help mm-hmm. us live our 21st century lifestyle. 
I understand this, the significance of gold. Um, the way I think about it, 90% of it either goes to vanity or fear, you know, jewelry or, or gold bars and, and coins. Only 10% of it's put, put to use uh, actually in, industrially to help us live our 21st century lifestyle. So I think what's going to drive the mining industry here, you know, looking forward decades, but over the course of our careers, uh, is this decarbonization theme. And uh, is is the myriad of metals that are that are necessary to actually make it happen, or even get close to, to to making it happen. So, with all that said, particularly when you're invested in in the juniors, it's it's very easy to get caught up in the metal of focus. Um, so I do have biases on the on on metals, um, uh, as I've just shared. But when I'm evaluating specific investments, the target metal is truly the last variable that I consider. And I only really consider it within the MJG portfolio con construction. So if there's a high quality team and you're able to invest alongside them at a similar valuation, you know, working on a, a good looking zinc asset, then that's that's fine. That's fine with, with me. Um, I think it's uh, it's it's tempting to sometimes chase the, the, the flavor of the month. But but uh, that's that's a recipe to uh, to losing money over time in this space. Uh, what else are you kind of starting to pay attention to now? Anything at the top of mind that I didn't ask that you think is worthy for the listeners to kind of understand where your head's at in this market? Well, one point I'll touch on, and it's quite relevant to the MJG portfolio, might be to some of your listeners as well, um, where we have roughly 22% uh, weighting towards uh, royalty names. So it's, it's, it's a core core business mm -hmm. model within our portfolio and just the amount of consolidation that we've seen here within the past 90 days it's it's very notable and really turned the situation that we saw in 2020 on its head um where in 2020 right. we saw a new junior royalty company seemingly uh, pop up uh, every every month or two um that that petered off as precious metal prices uh peaked in in, in late 2020 and we haven't seen really any new entrants come into the space, which from my perspective is, is a good sign. Um, and then more recently, we, we've seen consolidation. Um, it includes Nomad being uh, taken over by, by Sandstorm. Um, you know, more, more recently, uh, Great Bear um, and it's, it's uh, or sorry, Great Bear Royalties and uh, the acquisition by, by Royal Gold. Royal Gold. And then, yeah, most recently, um, the merger of equals of uh, Altus strategies and elemental royalties. And okay. we're, we're Altus uh, shareholders. We have been for, for a number of years here. I'm, I'm quite excited to see that, that, that merger go ahead. I write about it um, in the, in the uh, back end of the, of the MJG letter. Uh, but I think there's a lot of uh, complementary uh, aspects between those, those two stories. So I think consolidation is good both for the specific companies and the space as a whole. Um, that said, I would note precious metal royalty space continues to be competitive. Um, I think there's, in a general sense, potentially more opportunity outside of the gold and silver focused royalties. Um, you know, companies that are focused on copper focused royalties, for instance, or, or, or nickel or um, Altius, for instance. I love their, their, their potash exposure within, that portfolio, uh, within their portfolio. Altius Minerals is also, is also a position of ours that I've talked about publicly. Um, so any, anywho, uh, it's, it's, it's good to see, it's good to see, uh, a few less names on the, uh, on the team sheet here. Well, you're going to get a nice new young eager CEO in that merger with, from Elemental as Fred Bell appears to be going to be taking the helm 
with that one. I'm really excited for him. He's really good. One of the good young guys coming up into those management seats. And I hope you share the same enthusiasm. Yeah. And he's known Steve for Steve for a while as well. Uh, they have complimenting mm-hmm. skill sets. So I, I think, I think it's going to, it's going to work. It's going to work very well there. All right. Uh, Matt, it's good to connect with you, my friend. And uh, I hope you are watching closely how, um, how, how much strength that Chelsea back line is forming yeah. here in this uh, transfer window. Cause it's a, uh, you know, it's looking, it's looking pretty good. I don't know if song's going to make it through. I, and I knew you were going there. I'd watch out. Contact. <laughs> uh, Levy has opened his purse strings. We between Parasitch, Richarlison, Basuma. I'm feeling pretty good about Spurs' chances this year. So I look forward to some, some more banter once the uh, once the season begins here. Uh, you gotta appreciate that Spurs optimism this time of year every year. All right, Matt. <laughs> good to see you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Trevor. That was fun. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.